want to get numb to the blessing of waking up. And I think we get so churchy when we say, I woke up this morning. I'm glad to be alive. But when you really, and you've been at as many funerals as some of you have attended the last two weeks. Oh, come on, somebody. When you've seen the end of life, it's a blessing to wake up in the morning. Hallelujah. Do you know 200 churches close a week? I want to let that sink in. 200 churches close weekly. And we still alive? I'm glad to have a church to go to. I'm glad my body has blood running warm. I'm glad I'm breathing and I'm not on a ventilator. I wish I had somebody. I'm glad I have clothes in my closet. We complain about things that God has blessed us with. I'm glad I had $15 to put in my gas tank. I wish I had a witness. I don't know how I'm going to get to next week, but I had 15 last week. I wish I had a witness. And when you begin to thank God for the little things, you begin to see God in the mighty, amazing things. Let us never get numb to the reality that you woke up. Blood is warning warm. Matter of fact, you got a doctor to call when you don't feel good. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. You got insurance. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Let us never get numb to reasons that give us the opportunity to tell God, I am glad to be alive. I am glad to be seen and not viewed. I wish I had a witness. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 20 and 21. We're concluding Ephesians 3 today, and I'm transitioning our statements from I am statements to I will statements. I want you to keep your Bibles open as we walk through this text today. But verse 20 and 21, listen to Paul's prayer, a hymn for the first century church. He says this, Now unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine, according to a power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. King James Version puts it like this, now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, unto him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, with world without end. Amen. I want you to just say this, repeat after me, just say, I will not settle. You may be seated, even in the presence of the Lord, I will not settle. I will not settle. Keep your Bibles open. Let's walk through this text. Remember last week, Paul told us that because of the great love of Christ, the great grace of Christ, verses 14 through 19, because of Jesus, through Jesus, we have access to a powerful and healthy prayer life. And that is because in Christ, we have four things. Number one, our inner man is strengthened. Christ dwells in our heart. We have the power to understand God's love because we are filled with the fullness of God. Paul gives us those four core strengths that through prayer, through the grace and the love of God, our inner man is strengthened. Christ dwells in our heart. We have the power to understand God's love. And we are filled to the fullness, the measure of all of who God is. Now, Paul transitions to then what that power comes from. What is that power? How do we live into that power? How do we activate? How do we hold on to that? And he transitions into what he prayed for them, now vocalizing a confidence, hear me, a confidence that what he just asked God to do will come to pass. 
Paul says, prayer, hear me, church, is a guarantee. It is an agreement that I'm not going into prayer hoping that something happens. I go into prayer knowing that I'm in agreement with the promises that God has already said. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Remember, the future is a memory to God. Hallelujah. And so when I'm praying unto God, I'm talking to God, and God has already seen the future, gives me access to it by vision to bring me to what God has already accomplished. So my prayer is simply in agreeance with what God said is already going to come to pass. So Paul gets a glimpse of that vision. And Paul gets a glimpse of what God is going to do in the church. God, Paul gets a glimpse of what God's going to do with Jews and Gentiles. Paul gets a glimpse. And when Paul gets a glimpse of what the church will look like in the vision that God gave Paul to send to Ephesus, Paul says, you know what? He leads him to his knees. We talked about this last week. And he gives us verses 20 and 21. To him who can do immeasurably more than we can ask, think, or imagine according to the power that's in us, may be glory in the church, Christ Jesus, for all generations, forever and ever. Now, let's break this text down. Like I said, I want to break this text down. So hope, keep your Bibles. Let's go to Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. So here the major truth that I think is so forgotten sometimes in church and forgotten sometimes to read the scripture. Here's the major truth of Ephesians chapter 3 verse 21 and 20. God is able. Everybody just repeat after me. Say God is able. Put the scripture on the screen. Put the scripture on the screen. I don't want anyone to miss this. Now to him, text says, who is able. Do you see this? Do you see this? I really want to now to him who is able. So keep it up. Look, keep reading the scripture here to able. So what is God able to do? God is able to do, period. Let's pause there. God is able to do anything and everything that God wants to do. Like, I'm not getting real deep this morning. I just don't want us to miss the power of this text by trying to theologize it. God, him, is able, period, continue to do anything. But let's... It really grab what God's able to do. Put the King James Version up. So I want you to see this. We use this, really teach this text from King James Version. So God is able to do exceedingly. The word exceedingly there, it, it, the word exceedingly there literally means the, your sight line. So Paul says that God is able to really, if you go out on a beach, you go out someplace, and you're able to see your sight line. So everything that your eyes can see, God is able to do that. Hallelujah to the glam of God. The word exceeding is that your sight line. So if you go to the end of the beach and you look out on the beach, you see all that water. God is in control of everything in that water. You look out on the mountains. God is in control of everything. Paul says God is able to do exceedingly everything in your sight line. Above that, Paul says exceedingly and abundantly. The word abundantly is a harvesting term. And so Paul says God's not only able to do everything you see, but God is able to produce harvest in everything that you see. Glory to the Lamb of God. So Paul says, here's what God is able to do. God is able to do everything that you see and put harvest in everything that you see. If that don't make you run around the church, I don't know what makes you run. God is able to do everything that you see exceedingly, abundantly put harvest. It's a harvesting term, harvest in everything that you see. And then Paul just says, and above all, so beyond everything you see in the harvest and everything you see, Paul says God is able to do even more than all of that in everything that you see and the harvest and everything that you see. Here's what he does it all in. Keep the text up. More than we ask, think. Another translation says imagine. Let's break this down. If God can do more than we ask, that means God hears. Hallelujah. If God can do more than we can ask, that means God hears. 
So that means God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly. God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all than we ask or think and other ones imagine. So God can do everything. God can do beyond everything we he, he ask. God can do beyond everything we think. And God can do everything beyond we imagine. Now let me, let me do this. Let's go to the NIV. I want you to see this in the NIV. So let me say this. A lot of times, and um, a lot of times when we talk about like Greek translations and things like that, like why are we talking through the Greek? And I want to show you the NIV. The reason we're talking through the Greek is because when we believe that Paul wrote this letter, Paul was writing this in Greek, right? He was writing to people who understood Greek. He spoke various languages, but he was writing this to people who understood Greek. For example, if you really want to understand the words of Jesus, read the Aramaic, not the Greek, right? The Greek was how people understood it, but Jesus spoke Aramaic. So Paul, in this case, was writing to a group of individuals who more than likely, majority of them spoke Greek. So if we're going to understand this, so that's why I like the NIV. The reason I like the NIV is the NIV is the closest translation to the original Greek translation of Scripture, right? The, the, the NIV is. So if we read the NIV, look at the NIV. So the King James Version, written so much later for a whole bunch of other reasons, that's slave owner. But if we go to the NIV, we see here, now unto him who's able to do immeasurably more. The word immeasurably there is three different words in the Greek. Now remember this. I told you guys this earlier in Ephesians 1. I promise you I'm getting someplace. Paul used Ephesians and was making up words that they had to add to their dictionary. Like, Paul was literally making words up. He wasn't he, lavishing the overwhelming grace of God. That wasn't in the original language. He was making up Greek words because when God's spirit overtook him, he was so overwhelmed that he didn't have language to put to what God was doing. All right? So immeasurably more is a separation of three words. The word immeasurably more in the Greek says this. God is able to do, and bless my life, far more, far more, far more. That's the way the Greek writes it. God is able to do far more, far more, far more. <laughs> I really hope you all get this. And, and so Paul, it, it, we, we put immeasurably more. It really is this immeasurable canister that Paul is saying, God, because of who God is, is able to do far more, far more, far more than everything we could ever ask because he hears us, everything we'd ever imagine because God sees it all because of the power at work within us. What's that power? Go back to verses 18 and 19. Remember, Paul says this immeasurable grace being filled to the fullness of God, verse 19, right? So that we have this power, the love and the grace of God. It's not your talent. It's not your skill set. It is because of the love and the grace of God at work in us. Here's what I don't want us to get numb to as well. I don't want us to get numb to the grace of God. Oh, my God. I don't want us to get numb to the grace and the love of God. We can shout it, we can scream it, but if it wasn't for grace, and if it wasn't for mercy, I wish I had a witness, if it wasn't for favor we did not deserve, and if it wasn't for mercy that kept the consequences of your sin, I wish I had a witness, away from you, and if it wasn't for the love of God that poured off that cross for all of us, Paul says, because of that truth, because Jesus did die, because Jesus did stay buried, because Jesus was resurrected, because he did give us grace, because he promised, Matthew 28, to be with you always until the end of the earth. Paul says there's a power of love and grace that works within us. To do what? Verse 21, watch the text. To, to him be glory in the church. Here's what I don't want us to miss. I don't even know if I'm going to get to my notes. Here's what I don't want us to miss. The power of God's love and grace that works within us to do far more, far more, far more than we can ever ask, think, or imagine is for one thing, to cement a good opinion about Jesus 
through the local church. Uh-huh. See, if we read verse 20 isolated from verse number 21, we think that God gave us all this stuff to get a good job. God gave us all this stuff to get a man or a woman. God gave us all this stuff to make some money. God did not tell you to do a mix. He can do far more, far more, far more than you can ask, think, or imagine because of the love of grace of God inside of you to get a job. When God can trust you to, have a good, to show a good opinion about the local church and about Jesus into the world, he will position you on the stages. He knows he can trust you because he knows you'll bring glory to Jesus to have a good opinion about the local church. Watch it for generations to come. We're not just here for us. We are cementing a good opinion about Jesus for children who haven't even been born yet. Terry Tempest Williams put it like this. She's a professor at Harvard. She said, the eyes of the future are looking back at us, praying for us that we make their pathways smooth. Don't let that sink in. Don't let that miss you. The eyes of the future are looking back at us, praying for us to make their pathway smooth. The reason we praise God and cement a good opinion about Jesus is for people we'll never, ever meet. What are your great, 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 great grandchildren going to say about your prayer life today? What is the opinion that your children have about your prayer time? It's amazing to me that we, name, we can name people who are prideful. We can name people who are filled with demons. We can name all of that. But then it hit me. The reason I can name things is because I practice some of the things I see in them. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. I can name pride, but instead of me praying for a prideful person, I'm just naming their pride instead of praying pride. Instead of naming it, I'm naming it because I've seen what God brought me through. What would happen instead of us naming and making fun of that prideful person we prayed for them? What, when is the last time you prayed for the very people who were going through the sins that you overcame? That's the growth of the local church. That's the growth of God's kingdom. You may not like me, but you know it's right today. To him be glory in the church, in Christ Jesus, throughout all generations, forever and ever. Paul is trying to teach us this morning, and I pray we receive it, that God is able to do amazing things if God can trust us to cement a good opinion about his church for generations to come. Church, so here's the three truths I want us to get because God is able. Here are the three truths I want you to get. Number one, because God is able... I don't have to be Superman or Superwoman. I know it sounds so basic, but I'm just trying to make it as plain as possible. I, because God is able, you don't have to be Superman or Superwoman. God is the supreme authority and supreme power. Why? Because the text tells us we get, God can do more than we ask, think, or imagine because God hears, God knows, and God sees. So whether that applies to your work, whether that applies to relationships, whether it applies to church, whatever that is in your walks of life, you don't refuse to try to outdo God. Paul tells us this. If we're going to outdo anything, if we're going to have competition in any way in Scripture, Paul says, here's the competition we have. We outdo each other in Christian love. If we're going to fight, we don't have to. We can never outgive God. You can't outshout God. You can't outharvest God. So instead of trying to win a battle that you'll never win, Paul says, do this outdo each other in Christian love because I don't have to be Superman or Superwoman because God is the supreme authority and the supreme power. Number two, here's what I want to give you this truth. Because God is able, we are chosen to bring glory to the church. 
Okay. We are chosen to bring glory to the church. Remember, we talked about this earlier in the book of Ephesians, that glory for Paul was God's good opinion. In the Old Testament, glory was the word, the Hebrew word, the word there was weight, this weight pulling things in order. In the New Testament, the word for glory is God's good opinion. So my question for a lot of us is I want you to have a glory test. Is what I'm sending, saying, or doing going to cement a good opinion about God? Like, if you engage with somebody, is what I'm about to say to you going to help somebody meet Jesus or help them meet your ego? You have been chosen, church, to do so much more with the breath that God has put in your body. God has chosen you to cement a good opinion about God in the earth. And that amount of weight is so beautiful and heavy. And I think the reason we run away from so many, like God's glory is so much bigger than an 8 or 11 o'clock worship service. God's glory is so much bigger than some emotions and goosebumps we feel on Sunday. Our responsibility over the course of our entire lives is that we have been chosen to bring glory to Jesus and honor to cement a good opinion about God's local church. And thirdly and finally, I don't need, if because God is able, I don't need to remind anybody of my credentials. Forgive yourself for the need to remind people of what you know is true about you. Because the challenge is when you don't know who you are, the need to prove yourself is a a picture of your own insecurities. Because here's the principle I want to give you. Once you stop working for identity, you start working from identity. Do you have a PhD in you? Okay, I just, I'm just talking. Is this this one of them sermons to get you put out. Do you know your own gifts? Or are you so consumed with everybody else's gifts you don't even know your own? Oh my God. Paul says, God begins at the end of our greatest dream and imagination. This is Paul's prayer. He wasn't giving up. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't throwing in the towel on God's church. Because remember, when you change your language, you change your lane. And Paul, in the middle of this prison, changed his language. Paul says, I refuse to become the Old Testament church. What was the Old Testament church? Remember, when we go back to the children of Israel, Paul says, I don't want Ephesus to be like the Old Testament church. What was the Old Testament church? They fought. They went into exile. God had to flood them out. I wish I had a witness. Then God gave them 600 years of silence. Paul says, I don't want that to happen again because we have Jesus. I don't want the same issues that Saul and David and Jonathan and I don't want all everything they overcame and went through to be wasted here. Paul says, I'm changing my language for one reason. I want us to experience the fullness of God. And that's why I think it's so hard sometimes to build relationships in the world and in church. Because we're not trying to experience God in his fullness. We're trying to experience people. Let me tell you something. Whenever you try to experience people, you're going to find failure, fragility, and frustration. I'm going to just say it again. Whenever you are trying to experience people, you're going to find, you know why? James puts it like this in James chapter 3. We are creatures of sin. And so if you're trying to find something in people, you're going to eventually find death because all of us are made in the image of sin and made in God's image. And because of salvation, we get closer unto God. All of us have sinned. Y'all can act holy if you want to and fall short of the glory. And so when you're trying to experience people, you're going to inevitably, James says, find death. 
But when you want to experience God, you are searching for the life-giving source of the one who came and died for you. Paul says, get your focus off people and put your focus on God. What if the person you look down the most on, what if the person you judge the most, what if the person you hate the most, what if the person you look down the most on is the person that God is putting in your space to show you himself? So you can judge him if you want to. You can talk about them if you want to. But maybe the reason you haven't gotten to the next you're praying for is because that person is the one that God says, that's how you're going to experience God to the fullest. Paul says, seek to experience God to the fullest. Not, now unto him, not the pastor. Now unto him, not the people. Now unto him, not the musicians. Now unto, I ain't scared of none of y'all, not the deacons. Now unto him, not the ushers. Because I can't do what God can do. And Paul says when your focus is on God showing you all of God's self, now unto him who is able to do far more, far more, far more than you can ever begin to ask, think, or imagine. I don't know about you, but I don't want what people have. I want what comes from the hands of God. Hallelujah. Now, it's easy for me to spend the last 10 minutes talking about, you know, so praise him because he's able, right? I could literally just run and shout. We could scream. I could jump to E flat. But here's the thing. The challenge is this. We know God is able, but are you living like he's able? Let me hasten to suggest. We scream God is able. God is able to do just what he said he could do. We tell others God is going to heal you. We tell others God is able. But what we're saying is God is able until it gets really bad in my life. I mean, God is able until my husband tells me he's got a meeting at 4. He doesn't get home until 8. Then, God, are you able to fix my marriage? Because, God, this is your fault. My marriage is falling apart. God is able until you don't pass that one test in college. God, do you know me? Do you love me? Do you care? God is able until you lose your job. Now, all of a sudden, God, do you care about me? Do you love me? I don't know where God is. God is able until the doctor gives me a bad report, you got to stop eating pork. Hallelujah. God is able until you find out you can't have children. God is able until somebody breaks up with you. God is able until the school you apply to sends you a rejection letter. So what happens is that God becomes common. He becomes a quick fix. God becomes some oil change. God becomes what one scholar suggests, the opiate for the masses. God becomes someone, listen, God becomes someone I put out there until I need God to come closer. Let me tell you something. If God is always out there, he can't affect change right here. If God is always over there when God is convenient, then we, God can never change your life right where you are. Do you really believe God is able? Because when God is really able to you, you won't settle for anything less than what Paul prayed for you. When you believe that God is able, you won't balk when somebody wants to bless you. When you believe God is able, you will not remind somebody of their past that God threw away. Why are we reminding people of something that God forgot? Well, I'm going to say that again. Why are we reminding people of something that God said, I threw it as far as the east is from the west, and you ain't forgot it yet? Why do you, why, if you believe that God is able, you're able to, you're not talking about what people wear to church. 
When you believe God is able, you don't talk about somebody else's marriage. When you see them walking 10 feet in front of each other, not talking to each other, you bring them together. When you know God is able, you don't talk about when a parent and a child don't get along. You want to bring them together. When you really believe God is able, you believe that God can make dry bones come back to life. When you believe God is able, you believe that God can walk into a sea and split a sea. When you believe God is able, you believe God can make empty jars full of oil. When you believe God is able, you remember what God did in your life, and you want what God did in your life to be done in somebody else's life. When you believe God is able, you don't settle for anything less than everything that is above whatever you ask, think, or imagine. So Paul says... Don't you dare settle for anything less than God's best because when God thinks of you, he gives you more than you can ask, more than you can think, and more than you can imagine. So I dare you to refuse to settle in your relationships, in your prayer life, in your prayer time, and your care for others. Don't settle. One of our challenges is that God is pursuing and grabbing a hold of us, but God has gotten too common that we forget God. God is able. Let God's voice be your loudest opinion. Because when God is walking with you, there's some things you just don't do. Okay. I don't know about y'all. I, I had my, my mother. 